morning. Okay, so um, Guy Miller, when he came to us on the 4th of March, um, brought a prophetic word. And this prophetic word uh, was uh, about three different fields. Uh, fields for harvest. And um, last week, uh, Sean talked about the Holy Spirit as one of those fields. Today, I'm going to be speaking about the poor. And, uh, and next week, um, we'll be considering the youth of the town. But uh, the part of the, um, the prophetic word which relates to us today... Um, for today's sermon goes like this. It says, I felt God say the second field was a field of turnips and root vegetables. One would easily dismiss. It smells slightly odd, and we don't like that. We like big fields of barley and wheat. And I felt God say to me that there is a harvest to be taken in autumn for the poor. What you are doing with cap and other things is only the beginning because there are many many people in this town that God wants to save from a poor background and he wants to take a harvest among those people and prepare your hearts today to receive the harvest. And I believe God this morning wants to prepare our hearts. Um, God is an amazing God. He's a good, good father. He has a huge heart for those who are poor, poor in spirit those who are poor because they are marginalized by society for whatever reason, those who are poor because they may be destitute, those who are poor because of bad health, those who are poor because of the circumstances they find themselves in, those who are poor because of disability, and those who are poor spiritually. I'm sure you can think of many more. Psalm 102 says, God will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. So neither should we. Uh, Deuteronomy 10 says, For the Lord your God is a God of gods, and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothes. And... Uh, I discovered yesterday a passage, I was going to read something different, but this is more pertinent, uh, and I picked this up at uh, a conference that uh, Glenda Terry and myself went to yesterday uh, concerning sort of um, social action, and it's this, the Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens, who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high? who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. So he's like high above. He's absolutely God of gods. Yet, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. It tingles down my spine, that. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. See, God has a compassionate care for those who are poor. Sorry? Uh, Psalm 113, and it's verses 4 to 9. So just as a bit of a, a background thinking before we get to a passage of Scripture I want to bring to you, we all make judgments and comparisons about ourselves and others. 
We can also be very affected by people's perceptions, opinions, and judgments on us. Our wealth, our health, our postcode. Do we live at the poor end or the rich end of town? Our social media profile, if we have one. Our Christian walk, our church politics and our theology, our family life and other things. And for some, these can be quite a stigma and, and quite upsetting. These and other issues can affect our health, our mental health and well-being more than ever. It's quite a problem for young people these days, especially in connection with self-image and social media. You hear a lot about that on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the TV, on the news. And Christians can be affected by so much as well as those outside of church. Today, a very large percentage of people are on antidepressants. It's reckoned that one in four people suffer from depression. So you can start doing the maths and thinking, well, you know, that applies to us as well. It's reckoned, sorry, I have worked with young people over the years, and I spent 15 years um, working with homelessness, um, who have told me that antidepressants have been their lifesaver. It's actually sort of just taken them out of being um, in that sense of despair. And it's the same for adults. Some find that after a while they come off them and are perfectly fine going forward. Others need them longer term to function as normal as possible. And that can be the same for all medicine when it comes to mental health. But we're all different. Sometimes we need different forms of medication to help us function in life and cope with life. There is nothing wrong with that. Medicine is a good thing. Depression, fear, anxiety, fear of rejection, being totally misunderstood are all common human emotions. For some, they can be totally disabling. So, so when we consider the subject of the poor, we need to be aware of those who are feeling delicate and vulnerable. It is easy in our busy lives to overlook them or be ambivalent. So, we all meet people in, li in our lives who are better off than us and those who are worse off than us. So defining the term poor is not strictly uh, so restricted solely to those financially worse off. Jesus said, blessed or more than happy, hopeful and joyful. In other words, independent of outward circumstances are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we could reason too from that scripture that the poor can also be those who have not encountered Jesus and put their trust in him and received his amazing grace. So I guess it's time to encounter Jesus, isn't it? If you want to, in your Bibles to turn with me to Luke chapter 5. And there's a short passage here about a, a man with leprosy who encounters Jesus. While Jesus was one, with one of, in one of those towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. 
I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came, here, came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. There's a lot of stigma with uh, leprosy. If you had leprosy, it was so contagious, you'd have to be isolated from society. Priests monitored the disease, uh, banishing lepers who were contagious to prevent the spread of infection. You could not touch someone with leprosy because you risked being infected. The reality being that there, were no known, there was no known cure. Because leprosy destroys the nerve endings, lepers would often unknowingly damage their fingers, their toes, and their noses. I guess um, the more modern health fear equivalent will be something like AIDS. AIDS has an emotional impact and can, be, can make people feel terrified and very isolated. And I guess you could say the same thing about um, other things like Ebola. In today's society, those with particularly difficult to understand illness and those with mental health issues and the like can have a huge anxiety and feel very isolated and very rejected. People in Jesus' time would throw rocks at those with leprosy to keep them at a good distance because they were unclean. So leprosy in those days generated genuine fear. If you had leprosy or any disability, especially So the hardship was very, very real. It generated, uh, generated genuine hardship and isolation. Lepers would live in groups outside a, a town or a city. So you can imagine the human emotions. Human prejudice and judgment has not changed since man first sinned. We tend to sometimes shun or avoid those with ch challenging or dysfunctional lives mainly because we don't understand. But God is for the poor. But as a balance, we also see that it's beautiful to know that human love, care, and compassion is God-breathed in us. God-originated and God-hearted. And that has not changed either. You can see good evidence of that with you know, uh, the likes of the Manchester Arena attack last year when many ordinary people opened up their homes to strangers in order to bring support and relief. Jesus turns this world's values on its head because Jesus is a revolutionary. Jesus raises the poor from the dust. So in steps Jesus. In this passage, a man has an amazing, life-changing encounter with Jesus. A man with a dreaded leprosy. You can almost feel the crowds around Jesus shrinking back as this man comes forward. The, 
passage doesn't actually say which town Jesus was in, but people were coming to Jesus for healing. They were flocking in. And it's lovely, isn't it? Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus is the one with total and absolute power and authority. Power and authority that he does not abuse. Jesus, who is the epitome of being slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness and goodness. So does that characterize us? Jesus, who is compassionate and caring, a smoldering wick he won't snuff out and a bruised reed he will not break. Then I argue that neither should we. Jesus, who looks upon those poor and in need and meets their need with willingness and amazing grace. And are we willing to emulate such characteristics? You see, patience and faithfulness and goodness and compassion are the core of Jesus' character. And I feel that, you know, we need that touch of God to make that part of our core character if it isn't already. Have you met this Jesus? And if you haven't, I urge you to seek him, to find him, to talk to a Christian, to find out more about Jesus. And I'd urge you to give your life to Jesus. He's amazing. This man with leprosy probably in the advanced stages of the disease, so likely he had lost most of his bodily tissue, approaches Jesus and falls on his face before Jesus. He literally throws himself at him. So it is very possible that this man firmly believes that Jesus can heal every trace of his leprosy. And falling face down is a huge sign of respect and total submission. He didn't just ask for healing. He begged for healing. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can imagine him saying something like, well, I am poor, I am broken, I'm an outcast, I'm rejected and judged. I am disabled because of my disease, I am destitute, I am nothing, I have nothing, I am sick, I am depressed, I could well die, but I need you, Jesus. This man is ready and willing to totally surrender to Jesus. He clearly had the perceptiveness to know without doubt that just a word from Jesus would cure him. He could have said, well, I have nothing to lose, so I might as well give it a go. No, there was nothing tentative about this man's urgency and pleading. This man was definitely poor. He was definitely very ill. He no doubt would have been suffering the same human emotions that we all feel. Despair, depression, anxiety, isolation, fear, uncertainty, maybe guilt, and others. But you know, God sees the real value of a person is inside and not outside. The Bible talks about God looking at the heart. 
Although a person's body may be diseased or deformed and the person even suffering mentally, the person is no less valuable to God and therefore should be no less valuable to us. Remember Deuteronomy 10, God is impartial. So this man falls at Jesus' feet. And then Jesus does something amazing and really very, very powerful. Jesus doesn't just say, you are healed, because he could say that. He does something quite remarkable. And when I read this, it absolutely blew me away and really changed my whole heart um, on the matter. And that is that Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. Wow. He touched the man. Jesus touched the untouchable. That's quite something, isn't it? So maybe you've gone through a difficult time in your life. What has helped you the most? You may have received kind words or, and prayer, and that's great, and it's really helpful. But a hand of support on your shoulder, just to reach out and a touch. A simple wordless gesture can mean so much. It's not always appropriate to touch, so we do have to be wise. But Jesus so often gave people one-to-one time, as well as healing them and touching them. It's such a gentle and caring thing, and makes a huge difference to those who feel poor in spirit. You know, time is another one, isn't it? A listening ear is another one. Jesus touched the man first then spoke power into the situation. He said, I am willing. And Jesus says, be clean. The man was immediately healed. So Jesus at that moment did exactly what Psalm 113 says. He raised the man from the dust and the ash heap instantly. From despair to joy. Isn't that fantastic? That's our Jesus. That's our good God. He reaches out and touches the poor and cares for them. And you know, this town needs the touch of Jesus. In this day and age, we have many people in our society hurting and struggling with life, ill and need of support, and those financially struggling and in need of someone or some people to get alongside. And there are various organizations who exist to help, and that's good. In Alton, we can think of one way, the vulnerable adults group I manage, along with Glenda and Terry. Uh, we've got CAP, who's managed by Mark Rumsby, the Salvation Army, uh, the Resurrection Furniture, run by St. Lawrence Church, Alton Food Bank, with our new manager, are all run by Christians to provide practical help and support. And I'm sure there are more. We've got Lighthouse as well. Fantastic. And if you ask those who come along to One Way why they enjoy it so much, they'll tell you because they are accepted. They're not judged. They're listened to and supported. 
and we give them time. People need time. When we're thinking about the youth uh, next week, and quite often if you ask a young person, they'll say that nobody listens. People need time. And I can tell you how amazing uh, conversations can take place in one way, just when we're doing a jigsaw puzzle with somebody. But Jesus gave this man time. He didn't deal sort of with him generally within the crowd. He actually gave him time and spoke to him directly. I mean, Glenda and Terry and I don't find it easy. Many of those who come to One Way have deeply complex issues and histories. Um, And, you know, even learning difficulties. It's not easy to support them. But don't we all? We all have these issues. We have to commit to the long haul when we're supporting those who are poor. So be warned, there is no quick fix. It's about walking the journey alongside. My friends, there are a lot of people in Alton who are hurting, who are ill, who suffer from poor mental health, who are poor in all its definitions and broken. Jesus is about mending broken lives. And many people are not familiar with the things of God. They may have issues around alcohol and drugs, but they need the touch of God in their lives. I mean, people here may be feeling poor in spirit. Maybe you and I need that amazing touch of God in our lives today. That soothing reassurance that he is there and caring for you. We also need that submission to surrender all to Jesus in faith like the leper, to lay everything, as it were, at the feet of God. And God is willing. He always will be. We have nothing to fear because we know he is a good, good father. Are we prepared to reach those who may be perceived as isolated and difficult to love? It's a major challenge. We're God's ambassadors. We belong to Jesus. If we belong to Jesus, we are, we are his ambassadors. Do we see Alton through the eyes of Jesus? Does our faith enable us to respond to God's calling to reach out and touch people's broken lives? As I say, we are Jesus' ambassadors in this great and beautiful town, along with other Christians from other churches. We have incredible, liberating good news to proclaim. But it may mean getting among the turnips and the root vegetables in the field that Guy Miller refers to. Harvesting root vegetables can be messy. Yielding funny shapes. And be hard to harvest in some cases. Sometimes it requires a team effort. I'm sure you get the analogy. You know, some have deep roots, and it takes longer to, to, to harvest them. So it may mean getting stuck into hard work. It may mean the long haul in wrestling in prayer, because prayer, prayer is critical 
if we're to see chains broken for the kingdom of God, to see people make that amazing transition from horrendous darkness to the beautiful light of God's kingdom. And then ongoing, long-term support and prayer. So our love for Jesus should motivate us to be active in seeing the poor of this town in all its breadth of context reach for his kingdom. It should motivate us to look out for and help those who are feeling poor among us in this church. As Jesus is willing, then out of love and adoration for him, our good, good father, then I believe so should we. So our neighbours, our work colleagues, our friends, those that we have contact with, even those we may have that, that sort of momentary chance encou- God encounter with, can meet Jesus. But I believe this is God's heart for the town. He has a huge heart for those who are poor. So we can be sure of doing the right thing. We can be sure of being in God's will. So I guess in conclusion, I need to ask, you know, firstly, you may feel that you would like the touch of Jesus today, yourself. So come forward for prayer. Find someone to pray with. Jesus wants to meet with you. He's willing. He wants to reach out and touch you. To make a difference in your life. To lift you. Secondly, if you've been moved and want to know more, of course we've got this um, meeting coming up on the 4th of July. A field meeting. Do come along. We need people to pray as much as people to practically help. It's really important. Prayer changes things. You know, there was a lot of revivals have started with a couple of old ladies praying because they, you know, perhaps couldn't get out. God works. God wants to do a work in this town. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning and would like to learn about him and receive his touch in your life. Well, you can come forward for some prayer. Or speak to a Christian, or just find one of the people in the yellow T-shirts. They'd love to help you. And to pray with you. Give your life to the Lord. It's food for thought, isn't it? We need to sort of just wait on God now and just ask for him to help us to respond. Amen. So we're going to do just that. Let's pause. So easy to rush on. Let's pause. Um, Why don't you think about what you want to ask God about? Maybe you want to say, God, give me a heart for the poor. Help me me to see this. Maybe you want to ask, 
Jesus, would you come and meet me? He will. If that's your desire, he will. He's a good father. Loves to know us. Loves to meet us. Maybe you want to pray something like, Jesus, would you rescue me? I was just reading one of the Psalms where it talks about, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined his ear to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out of the mud and mire and set my feet on solid ground. Well, that's what he loves to do. He loves to take ruined lives and transform them. So we're now going to be quiet for a couple of minutes. And why don't you just spend this time, use this time to talk with God. You may not yet know him, but you can pray, which is what talking to God is. It's just, yeah, prayer is talking with God. You can say, I want to know you. Would you reveal yourself to me?